Masterpiece and Pier is your one-stop smoke shop. They have disposable vapes, Kratom for pain and energy, hemp products, and smoking accessories, along with apparel, backpacks, and local artwork. Masterpiece is located at 111 East Capitol Avenue in Pier. Give them a call at 605-295-2250 or find them on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome to episode 31 of The Outside Scoop. I'm Jackson Bruce. Dustin's not here today. He's saving a cat from a tree. So, meow. Yeah. <laughs> so, we got special guests. This is like the fourth time, but John Hunt on the podcast today, general manager of the Peer Trappers. Good to be here. Having a good time. And then we got the 2022 Expedition League Broadcaster of the Year, my guy Ryan Breeden. It's kind of by default, but you know, I'll, I'll take it. It's kind take of one of those win. things where I'm like, you know, I'm the last man standing. That's really the whole reason that I've got it. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'll claim that title. Take I'll take the it. win. I was on the broadcast when Brian, uh, when Ryan, see now, so I got your name wrong. Ryan never knew my last name all season. Probably uh, yeah. still doesn't no, know my no, last I do. name. I do. I do. <laughs> you just so, said it. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan got the word when we were on the broadcast together. I congratulated him, letting him know that he is one of three people. To win a, uh, an award in the Expedition League. I'm speaking to one of them right now. I am. Dustin isn't on the podcast, but he likes to let everybody know that I was the 2019 Executive of the Year. So uh, since he's not on the podcast today, I thought I'd give you that nice honor. Have we figured out if you've gotten Executive of the Year yet? You, you said I did. I, I claim. I, and and I said the Saberdog said I did. Oh, okay. I feel like it's and just the kind pilot of, said I, I, feel I did. Like, I feel like it's but kind I of haven't the, heard it from the boss man. I feel like it's kind of the same situation so as mine where, like, you know, you're you're the last one standing. It's yeah. like you should, like, we got, uh, we it got, should be yours. We got three of the four Trapper Award winners in one room. <laughs> That's amazing. We just need Ethan Scoojay on 2020 Pitcher of the Year. He's out in the Czech Republic mowing guys down. Ooh. But, so, I got you guys on today. The Trapper season is done with now. Great run, you guys. Um, y- you made the championship mm-hmm. by default. <laughs> but, but, it was, you know, but it was an awesome season. I think that's what the matchup would have been anyway. I agree. If it went a full, uh, full season all the way through August, I think those would have been the two teams that played anyway. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you there. Um, you know, we with the Trappers, I think they were the second best team in the league. Um, source value is just, you know, up there. But, you know, you can't all be coached by the king. Michael Kieran. The king. The king. <laughs> the king is back, baby. Now he's going down to Western Illinois. He ain't winning a championship for a while. But um, uh, you made the championship. You had quite the season. And we kind of want to sit down and talk about it today, talk about your experience in the Expedition League. Um, just, you know, talk about the whole season in general. This 2022 season was definitely different than my time in the Expedition League. So I kind of want to start with you, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, you this is your first job in um, – baseball outside of like high school and college baseball yes. correct yes so um kind of give me uh your thoughts on your experience with the trappers this season uh the your experience with the expedition league and really what you think this did for your broadcasting career and uh uh improving your skills well so before i got here i was told by my broadcast mentor and voice of oklahoma state sports dave hunziker that if you do one of these summer internships you will be a completely different broadcaster on the other side when it's over after all the reps all the real world experience so I feel like that's very much the case you know I'm so much more confident I found my style Um, I have my like 
signature outro now that I say at the end of every broadcast. And those are one of those things that you can't really force it. It kind of has to happen naturally. Mm -hmm. uh, I found that. I It was really good for me also, just like personally, um, as well as professionally, to go through a bunch of adversity here, to have to battle through things and really take you know, like, oh, we'll figure it out, like that mantra, like really, and apply it to my life, because that's really what it is in this business, especially with the Expedition League and all of the insanity that happened this summer. Um, it really is like, a, you know, we'll figure it out. Like, that's pretty much all you can say. And mm -hmm. I'm proud to say that we all figured it out, you know, like, yeah. and us as a Peer Trappers organization, we were, I think, definitely without a doubt, the strongest knit group in the league easily mm -hmm. well i mean two of the teams folded out uh one of them didn't even have a gm um and they were run completely by interns and that was the pilots and then the roosters they had steve running their team and they had one intern and it was mason strawn and then you have basically us or the saber dogs and i think that we were way more coherent of a unit than they were i agree um and for me i'm a i'm a sports business guy I was in the sports business side for about seven years in hockey and baseball. And I can tell you that the Trappers as a whole were the most uh, functional for an office in the league. Uh, you know, the uh, the dogs had something good. They had enough interns. Uh, they had way more interns they had than we did. way more interns. They had like six interns. We mm -hmm. had two. Yeah, and they still couldn't keep it together. You guys did a fantastic job. You and Aubrey. As the two interns. As Shout the two out Aubrey interns. Jackson. She's just um, right here in the room with us. And you guys did an incredible job of working your butts off day in and day out, making sure that, uh, you know, you put the team first. And that's a big thing with an internship. I mean, I know Jordan Lutmer, the assistant general manager, who was my intern for two years. He knows he knows that quality, and he hopefully instilled it into you guys. John Hunt, um, who's obviously right here with us, uh, hopefully was able to instill that in you guys. You guys kept it together as hard as that was, and that was very impressive, and I'm impressed. Um, and being a former GM, like I, you guys would have been great on any intern squad I had, so great job. And you I'll, guys I'll, um, I'll pass this to John so he can comment more on this. You mentioned that cohesiveness and that us as a unit. The first two weeks was really when that foundation was set. There was a lot of issues the first two weeks because mm -hmm. all of us were in positions that we'd never really been in before john had never been a gm before yep. jordan had never been anything other than an intern before i had never been a broadcaster outside of high school or college aubrey had never done this before either so you had mm -hmm. us all of us were way in over our head we we yeah. just head first dove right into this thing and mm -hmm. so there was a lot of problems a lot of things that we had to sort out as being just four people and so there was some conflict like there was like it was shaky for the first oh, two yeah. weeks, but the reason it, that allowed for us to get to where we were at by mid-season and then up till the end, and I think John would probably agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I had experience running radio stations, and in radio stations, Jackson, I'm sure you know, not so much here at DRG. I can be honest about this. There's egos yeah. and people coming from different areas, and and I've always said in radio, if you don't have an ego, you don't belong behind a microphone. It's how mm -hmm. you control that ego that matters. Yeah. And so I came in with the mindset of, okay, I'm going to treat this the same way I treat a radio station. Yeah, it's baseball. But from a management standpoint, you have to find out each individual's strengths. 
and you have to adjust what you're doing to their strengths, mm-hmm. not force your way. This is the way I do it. This way or the highway. And I think I, I don't think I can say I did that. I don't. I don't think I did that this year. I tried to find what everyone was good at, and I adjusted the roles based on where their strengths were. And and I would hope that everybody on the team would agree with that. And with the resources that we had. And with the resources with that we had. We had to deal people. with what we had. I mean, we're short interns. When I first took the job, I was told I had six or seven interns. Mm-hmm. And other teams rated our interns while before I took the job, and I didn't have those interns. I even had three additional interns that I was supposed to have that were rated by another team after I was told by that other team's general manager and assistant general manager that they were our interns. Mm-hmm. Once while I was getting on a plane two weeks before the season, I get the word that we lost the last of the interns. Now, some of them didn't even last for the teams they ended up at. Yep. But those were the kind of things we were battling right off the bat. And at first, I wasn't allowed to hire anybody mm-hmm. you know, for an hourly wage. So I was, you know, this was the hand I was dealt, right. and everybody on my team stepped up. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, when I say my team, I'm not talking about the players. I mean, Jamie handled those guys perfectly. Mm-hmm. They worked their butts off all year as well. But my team of interns and Jordan, my assistant general manager, they all stepped up and did things that sometimes they weren't quite used to doing. And, and I think that maybe people expected me to do things differently because of how things had happened in the past. But we all had to adjust, and it happened. And I have no doubt that the management team beyond myself was the best in this league and maybe the best in minor league baseball. I mean, the way, based on what we started with and where we finished at the end of the year, I would, I would stake a claim to that. Yeah, I would agree. And what's crazy is like, so they, they rated your interns, like the people you had, they were taking from you. As they would lose an intern, somebody, all of a sudden I'd get a phone call saying, sorry, that person's not coming to you. They're going to come to our team. Right. And so you ended up with these two who are quite possibly the best two interns in the league. Correct. And um, Aubrey didn't even come from the, the group where oh, those really? other interns came from. Actually, Monterio May, who was a previous coach on this team, oh. had recommended the Trappers to Aubrey, and Aubrey reached out. And because I was so buried at first, Aubrey probably wondered if I really wanted to have her on the team because it took me so long to get back to her. And finally, I went to Jordan, and I said, Jordan, can you call this girl back? I'm buried. I, I'm, you know running mm-hmm. out and doing other things, I think I got a chance to deliver a couple of emails or short notes before I turned it over to Jordan. Jordan finished and made sure she got on board. Yeah. that's but that was it. That's amazing. And uh, Ryan, Ryan must have been one of the OG didn't get raided because everybody had their broadcasters. They had their broadcasters. So you know what's really funny? Okay, yeah, I, think, I think I can comment on this. Yeah, um, do it. When I was in Source Valley, I was talking with some of their management, kind of their whole crew, um, and they were like, you know, it's really a shame that we weren't able to have you be our broadcaster this year, like for the Saber Dogs. And I was like, oh yeah, why do you say that? And then they said, oh well, okay. So first, Mitch Kieran, the broadcaster for the Saber Dogs. Mitch is a great dude. Um, like Mitch a lot. He is brothers with Michael Kieran. He's brothers the to the king. Yes, brothers to the king, Michael Kieran. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was told that I was supposed to be the Saber Dogs broadcaster, but that Mitch. And Michael were a package deal together. Oh, that's quite the deal. And I also, speaking of the broadcast intern, 
later on, there was a little battle between Michael Kieran and I in the first series we played them at home. And yep. um, we cleared that up later. Him and I personally yes. had a chat and everything I was fine. Them. I and, talked to them too to make and, sure that we were good. And, but when that was going on, the de facto general manager who had another job some, doing something else somewhere else wasn't really the general manager of that team. Uh, in a rant of an email that I got from him after that situation between Michael and I, and uh, maybe he had a few adult beverages. He did. You know, I was talking it was to a him late night that day. email that I got <laughs> saying, "Well, I gave you that intern." Oh, you know, I was boy. like, "Come on, really? Give me a uh, break!" But that's that was when I came into the league. Everybody was welcoming and saying, "Hey, great to have you on board." Yeah, it was good that Trappers have a GM now. Blah blah blah. But when it came to interns. They were fierce about stealing. They didn't care. Right, they, yeah. they were stealing interns right and left. And it was multiple teams. It wasn't, I'm not just pointing at the Sabre Dogs. Mm-hmm. It was multiple teams. No, we'll point the finger at Red River, too. We'll yeah. point, we'll, we're pointing I got fingers a finger today. to point at them. But but one, we got only fingers the coach. to point today. But one thing that I will say um, about that whole Sabre Dogs situation, I really thought about it after I was told that, and I was like, you know what? I think that it was for the better mm-hmm. that I ended up here in Pier. Like, I this is where know, I was yeah. supposed to be. You know, like this was, these are the people I was supposed to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the experience that I needed. Um, I kind of needed to be, you know, carried by one leg and tossed into the deep end of the pool to try yeah. and swim by myself. That was kind of what I needed. And I got that here. I had a lot of personal growth. Uh, my host family was amazing. I lived with Aubrey, uh, with the same host family. And everything about it was exactly what I needed. And I don't think I would have gotten nearly a, that amount of things if I was. And mine not. I, I would agree with you. Uh, one thing we prided ourselves in Pier was having the best experience for both players and interns. Uh, and I think we've always done that pretty well. Um, I can't I can't speak for last year because I wasn't involved with the Trappers in 2021. But I can say in 2018 to 2020, I think everyone had a pretty good experience. Uh, you know, Jordan Lutmer might tell you different. I don't know. Maybe not. But uh, he's, uh, you know, I... And just seeing the way you guys did your work this year, and from me being the ambassador of fun. Uh, I love well, that title, by the way. Yeah, you know, I could have, and I tell you what, I made no money this summer, but I did that to myself. Right. <laughs> I did that to myself. And another thing, by the way, before we change <laughs> topics about working with Ryan, my background is radio. My background's always been radio since mm-hmm. I was 15 years old. So when Ryan and I had our first conversation on the phone, I think that you were, Ryan, you were a little surprised that I came from a radio background. I was. Not a lot of GMs that were have a, that. Your general manager. I can't name a general manager in in you know minor league or major league baseball. Some guys were players and then became like color broadcasters and then became a general manager. This happened a few times. But I don't know that it's ever happened that a person went from radio to general manager without the baseball experience. It was fantastic for me having somebody who has that radio and broadcasting background to kind of be overseeing me. For the most part, I know you kind of like let me do my thing. Like, I did. Like the bumpers were on to where like if I needed help with something, like you would help me whichever way I could. But you kind of let me do my thing. And I think that it worked really, really well. Yeah, and there were times I'd come check with you and say, "Okay, do you need anything? Everything going and you okay?" Went, and you went and did that and Father's listen. Day. You went and did the Father's Day weekend well, broadcast for me in Sioux Falls, which was huge. Mm. That was so important for me. Having Father's Day weekend off, first one without my dad. I didn't want right. to broadcast, and you being willing to do that and do those games for me was huge. Well, I mean, I had fun too. I, yeah. Th- at some point, if you've been in radio as long as I have, you miss it. 
And so it was fun for me to get in the, get on the bus with the guys, you know, I think maybe they were toned down a little because they had the old general manager yeah. on the bus, but yeah. I think they were pretty much, I told them, just be yourself, do what you do. And everything was fine, but getting in the booth again and broadcasting was a lot of fun on that weekend. And and I think you're right. I pretty much let you run. Um, I'd send you little notes, like, yep. you know, during a broadcast, if you talked about a player or something like that, I'd send you information on yep. that player, that kind of stuff. You, you but taught me the you taught me the shameless plug as well. How to use a shameless plug, exactly. Never never a bad time. You know, always plug for tickets it. for your team, you mm-hmm. know. Tickets are on sale at peertrappers.com. You had to say that. Oh, I love it. Yeah, John and I actually uh, switched roles almost. Uh, he he had the radio background and went to be a general manager. I had the sports background, and now I work in radio. Into radio. Yeah, I know. It, it's crazy. I will say this, too. Um, the last thing on like kind of the peer situation with us, when I first found out I was going to be traveling with the team, it was about a week before I got here, and John called me and was like, hey, I've got some good news or some so-so news, depending on how you take it. I want you traveling with the team. We have this radio contract with DRG. They want to broadcast all the games, and they want it to be you. Like, you're the voice of the trappers. We want you to be the one doing it. And at first, John can attest to this. I was like, I was kind of hesitant. I don't think you were happy about it at all. I was hesitant because I had built up in my mind that I was going to just be the broadcaster for home games. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, ah, I don't want to do all this travel. It's going to be tiring. It's going to burn me out, you know, so and so, all these things. But looking back on it, especially with the shortened season, oh, yeah. I am so, so glad that I did travel. I learned so many things and, became really close with the players because I was there with them the entire way. Exactly. And so I, I needed to travel, and so I'm so glad that I did. And just like being a hitter in baseball or just like any other thing that you do, reps matter. And getting more reps I knew would help you as a broadcaster. And that's one of the first things I brought up. I said, you know, of course, we didn't know that the season was going to get shortened. Yeah. So you end up with pretty much the same amount of reps, maybe a few more. But not only... Did you get to know the players more? It helped your broadcast because you knew those things that you could bring, you could pull out of your hat, you know, during a rain delay, or you could pull out of your hat during a pitching change. You know, rather than having silence, you could say, yeah, we were on the bus today and we were playing Mafia or whatever. Yeah. I think I remember you doing that. Or I'm yes. like, Mafia, was it the Godfather? What were you doing, you know? <laughs> the different kind of, that, that game. Different, you know, different Mafia. Like that kind of similar, but. Helped you fill your yes. broadcast and make it more rich, if you will. Yeah, I agree. And there was a lot of things that I learned about the guys and that I had experiences with the guys that I couldn't talk about on the air, obviously. Right, of and course. That, that goes back to that whole thing. But, you know, it, it helped me to know them better and to have a deeper connection. And that allows you to really fulfill that home broadcaster mm-hmm. type of role where you have a connection with the players and you want for your audience to feel that same connection that you have because they're listening because they like the trappers and because they're their kid or their grandkid or somebody is on the team or they have some sort of connection. So you mm-hmm. want to convey that connection through the microphone. So the best way to do that is to have a bit of a connection yourself. No, that's perfect. That's awesome. Uh, when it comes to the broadcast, you want to get those details in because baseball, it's not exactly the fastest moving. So you need to have that time to fill it in. You could be calling like soccer or golf though. <laughs> See, I would, I would love, I would love actually to uh, broadcast golf a couple of times. Okay, I feel like it'd be really fun. You know, I could just get really relaxing and just talk in my kind of low voice Quiet, here please. and just uh, 
Oh, that was a, that was a pretty approach shot with his seven iron, got him about 10 feet away from the pin. I could do I it. it. I think you did good. Ten feet away I think from you the did pin. Good. That's what I like. <laughs> I could do it. No, 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 I'll no, let no, you. I'll let you practice no, next no, time no. I go out golfing. <laughs> I used to be good at golf, and then my baseball swing took over, and now it's a complete hack job for me, especially oh. on the tee box. <laughs> I love it. All right, so let's get into some of the more intricate details of the Ooh, season. Yes. Um, okay. Let's do it. Ryan, you were on the road a lot. Yes. Obviously, you were on the road half the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this season did not go as expected. Um, teams dropped out. Yes. Um, Matty Holum, uh, is, he's a loose cannon right now. He's telling yeah, everybody. that's a nice way to put it. He's telling everybody everything about what he thinks happened. Um, first, we'll address the situation in Red River. Yeah. With the pilots. Uh, I was at the game. In fact, I was umpiring the game. When he had one of his temper tantrums and threw oh, the balls it was electric. on the field, it was amazing. It was an incredible. It was that was an it was incredible a great show. Experience. It was like Earl Weaver came back to life and threw put on a show. But I was sitting there like, man, I, my first time umpiring. I hear the thud and I look back and there's a bucket of balls on the field. I'm like, dude, can we just get this game over with? Well, I'm so all the sick of this. Too. I had so many oh, parents yeah. coming to me saying, I don't know if I can bring my kid to a game. Matter of fact, one host family wrote a um, email to our owner. And specifically pointed out that he would never come to another uh, another Trappers game if they were playing Red River. Mm-hmm. And Matty Holm was the coach because not only was he cursing, but his players were throwing up middle fingers. And um, one one player had turned around and told the guy, you're next. Yeah. You know, things like that. So he wrote a long letter pointing out the reasons why he would never come to another Trappers game if Matty Holm was the coach of the pilots. I guess that Maddie took that personally because he said, I, but he I'm going to head out, his way like, out too. Like, like, what, three days after that? Yeah, I will he, say, he I bounced. was, okay, I was on Twitter. I think it was June 26th, 27th, 28th, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I was going through Twitter. I'm in my host family's kitchen. And I come across that uh, Source Valley tweet where they say, our games for today and tomorrow have been postponed against the pilots. Yes. And immediately I just, I've got these sirens going off in my head. I'm like, okay, something's going on here. Mm-hmm. So I hit up one of my guys with Saber Dogs. Um, I was close with a bunch of their interns. Yep. And I was like, hey, what's going on? Like, why do you have two games get postponed? Because like, if it's weather related, that would you you wouldn't cancel a game for the next day. Right. So I was like, something's up. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I don't know how much I can say but I'll just say that the pilots don't have a coach anymore. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, this is it. Immediately when, when he said that, I was like, okay, this is it. This league, like, this, is league, this isn't going to last the yep. whole season. There's no chance. And so then I called John. I called Coach Jamie. And I was like, hey, what do you guys know about this? Maybe you guys should check up on this. And then right after pretty much I called them, that's when they started getting the calls mm-hmm. that it happened as well. Um, and once that happened, I knew – that there was a 0% chance we were going till August. No chance. No shot whatsoever. We even had that updated schedule that we had where it was like the pod format or whatever else. I knew that it wasn't, that wasn't happening. Happen. There was no shot. And the day that happened, I walked into the office with John, and uh, I came up ready to tell him because I was told by my source, who I'm not going to name at the moment, that, uh, that Maddie was gone, that the team was gone, uh, and uh, I had heard, don't tell anybody. I was like, well, I'm telling John. Yeah. So I talked to John and immediately as I come in there, like, you hear about Red River? And, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have. I need to talk to you about it. And, you know, we talked about it. And then he got the story. I didn't really have to break the news to him. Uh, But that was a tough deal right there because it's like, for me, and the source who I talked to quite a bit was, it was just kind of like, well, this is done. But I, I commend John for not thinking the season's done. You, you, at di- least externally, not thinking it was done. He could think whatever he wanted internally. I mean, to be and- honest, I, I'm, I'm a realist, and yeah. I knew that there were possibilities mm-hmm. that it wouldn't work at that point. But as the general manager of this team, who was still standing, who was still kicking butt, who was still doing their job every day, best franchise I had to in treat the it. I had to treat it as if. We're gonna finish this. We're not. Mm-hmm. We're we're gonna be the last man standing. Exactly. Like the TV that, that, show. that is exactly what we said to each other. Our consensus was, you know what? If this thing crumbles, it's not going to be because of us. It's not mm-hmm. going to be us that fades out. We're gonna be the ones that are there till the end, whether or not that is in a week, whether or not that's tomorrow, whether or not that's in August, whenever that may be. If, when the league is done, when it's folded for the season or whatever, it won't be. Because of us, and we'll be there right. till the end. the the uh, The analogy that I used was my saying was like, you know, I'm along for the ride until like there's no ride left to be on. That mm-hmm. was kind of how it was. For and us. the reality of what happened. I mean, here's the real story, and I've heard it from multiple sources. Um, Matty Holum told his players. I've talked to players' parents who have called me because they couldn't reach anyone else. Um, I've talked to players' parents, and they were told to go home. Matty Holum told his players to leave mm-hmm. and then didn't tell anybody else what was going on until the next morning when the league at 7.30 a.m. got an email saying, my players have chosen to leave and I quit and changed his phone number, become, became completely unreachable by anyone. No mm-hmm. one could reach Matty Holum. I considered the guy a friend. Yep. At the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matty Holum seemed like a good guy. I mean, other things came up later, which I don't know that this is the right form to yeah. bring them out. Yeah. But we've learned a lot more about that guy. And I can tell you right now that I do believe had Red River not collapsed, though it would have been hard, I think we would have finished this season. At the very worst, maybe we would have cut the three games off in August mm-hmm. and yeah. started the playoffs early. But I truly believe, had that domino not fallen, the Roosters would have stuck it out, and then we would have had four teams all the way to the end, and we would have had the same championship as we did anyways. Yeah. It was, I it truly was, believe yeah. all of those things to be to be fact. It yeah. was an it was an unexpected domino to fall for me because you know I had already kind of in the back of my mind, uh, I thought you know I feel like it's. I don't know what it will be, but something about this season will not go the way that I think it will go. Like something is going to happen. And mm-hmm. I've talked about that with some people. I was like, you know what? This league, you know, after all the stuff that I read from last year, the stuff that I know going on early on in this season this year, I would be completely shocked if we went all the way through our normal schedule. I didn't expect it to be Red River. So that is why when they folded, I immediately thought, okay, there's absolutely no chance because I knew that there was no way that the Roosters were going to stick it out after the Pilots left because the Roosters were already on the verge. They were mm-hmm. the ones that I thought would go well, they home were short first. Players. They, yeah. Exactly. So their problem was they were thrown together very last minute, mm-hmm. and they were a lot of those guys 
were supposed to be with a team in Sioux Falls that was yeah, going to be the here sunfish. in the league. Yes, and so that was even the case for their broadcaster, Mason Strawn. He was supposed to be the broadcaster in Sioux Falls, but then he gets told, oh, yeah, sorry, no, and you know that town with 200,000 people? Yeah, no, you're going to one with 700 people instead. Yeah. And so that was the case for a lot of their players, too. And they had a lot of pitchers drop out after they were told, yeah, Sioux Falls, no, Bancroft, yes. So they lost a lot of pitchers. And it was hard enough to find yes. pitchers as it was. Always in is this in Summer Bowl. It always is, but this year it seemed worse than ever. And even for us, we were scrambling to find pitchers until the very last minute. Yep. Coach Jamie was hustling out there just trying to bring in some pitchers. And, and we were worried in the front office whether or not we were going to have enough pitching. He got it worked out, and we came up with some great players. But, yeah, I, I worried about that team for the same reasons. Small town, you know, 700 people, tiny ballpark. Though they love that team in that town, from what I understand. I never got to see a game there. I know you did. Yes. All 30 but, people in the stands yeah, Exactly. There were was, there was some games where it was more like six so it was like watching a post eight game in Pier, right? You know, no, I don't mean six people. But Dang. No, okay. no, no, hey, no, 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 don't misunderstand me. There are, you know, there are parents who come out to watch yeah. the post eight games on a cold day in the beginning mm. of the season, yeah. and there were times I'd see thirty people in the stands. Mm. But the big difference here with this too is that a lot of the players they don't have their parents in the area, right? So and that's the have, thing. So you get rid of the parents, and then what? Who do you have left right. to come watch? Right. No, post eight supports don't don't get me wrong. Let me let me. Clear this yeah, up right now. Here we go. Here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to right move away Never from my Never did I see a post-8 game where there were eight people. <laughs> but there were some I'd see 30 to 50 people in the yep. stands because it's cold and it's windy in the beginning yeah. of the season. Or it's 108 degrees like today. Yeah. I mean, They didn't even play they, today's game. They had to cancel games today because it was going to be 110 degrees, which I fully understand. So that is not a shot at post-8. But what I'm saying is, it is you would expect collegiate level or minor league ball to have more fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. So, no shot at all. Post 8, you guys are awesome. I've had fun watching some of your games this year myself. They got they got a good squad. Yeah. They got a good yeah, squad. The, the Roosters, they had no pitching. So they were throwing yeah. position players a lot. And near the end of the year, they were saying, yeah, you know that pitch count rule? Yeah, no. See ya. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I mean, no I, I, can't, I can't say much either because in our championship series, we had Lewis Manning throw 151 pitches, and so that's probably not the best thing to do. But, you know, he was in a groove, so yeah, and it's what it, it is. And the end, too. Is you can it throw is. it all out at the so, end. If, I, if I'm being honest, though, the pitch count thing, like, clear it with a college coach, you're fine, I think, you know? Yeah. But uh, if, if Steve Wagner is going to get on you about a pitch count, there's no reason why an independent ball club should be playing in collegiate summer ball. Like, so yeah. there, there was no consistency when it came to rules. And if I remember right, the starting pitcher for the dogs that night had over the pitch count, didn't he? After what he threw, for which which game? Like the, uh, the championship series? Oh. Um, It'll probably be game... One or two. Game one or two, the ones that I was at. Okay. Hmm. I don't remember, if, I don't think Gutierrez was over. But I think that he... I, I think, think he was, was good... He got darn close, maybe. Yeah. If this is what no, I'm thinking. the, the roosters more the, than the once. roosters were like blatantly over. Just though. blatantly. They had Travis Herbert, Travis Herbert, their ace. He threw like 95 pitches, and then two days later he threw 20, and then two days later he threw wasn't like the 110. The, wasn't the very last game he threw over 150 pitches? No, it was against it was, us. So he he pitched three times in but, the final uh, yeah. five days he was with the team. Yes, and he threw like a combined 230 pitches oh, in five wow. days in a week, and less than a week. I'm sure there's a 
there's an unhappy college coach. Well, that that goes back with you know the whole rule enforcement thing. We had a fiasco with Bombats as well in Mm -hmm. Source Valley. Uh, so apparently Bombats, which for people who don't know, they're wooden bats that have like a metal rod through the middle. It kind of Make juices, them more it, durable. It juices the bats a little bit, yes, but it's more so that way you don't break, so you don't break the bats. Like all right. the dovetail bats we yeah, didn't break Anthony Barraza broke like 25 bats this year, <laughs> I think. Um, there, was a, there was a stretch where he broke a bat every game for like five games in a row. Mm-hmm. But we got called out. We got called out in Minot when we were at Soros Valley. When they, they were, were using Bombats. Yeah. When it was in their house, I mean... Talk about the so then that so that happened so that happened that happened in Minot and then it happened again here in Pier like a week and a half later where they're like okay this whole bombat thing we've got people that are being accused of using them so then we had there was this conversation in the press box where it was like all right what are we doing with the bombats if they're illegal I'm putting my foot down this game and if I see anyone use them they're gone. Mm-hmm. So like, what's our verdict? And then we were like, okay. And the rules says there's no bombats, so we're going to strictly enforce it. But it's again, it's like those should be clear cut things, and they they just weren't. And let's be honest, like, and I'm going to be honest because I had three years in the league and I got to see this year. Um, Michael Kieran is the softest coach I've ever seen in this league, 100. percent And uh, it seemed like anytime there was a rule issue, it was always with him. He was the one complaining about the rule issue. And he would never come to you about it. He'd no. call the league owner He'd call after, his you know, buddy Steve. during the game, after the game, whining about it. Yeah. I mean, that that whole situation was crazy. And then, John, tell me about this one. This And I actually talked to him uh, recently down at softball fields. Uh, you were not allowed to uh, pitch Peyton Zabel in the Expedition League Championship. Oh, game. yes. Let's talk about this. Yeah, okay. Yes. Um, here's the situation. First off... I had talked to Peyton's dad and mom during during high school. It, you know, I would go to help out in concessions or whatever they needed, you know, and I'd see him and I'd say, hey, you know, I was in Frederick last year, which is home for me, and I saw your son pitch in Frederick for the Frederick Keys mm-hmm. in the draft league, and I understand he might want to pitch for us. And his dad said, yeah, we'd love to have him pitch. we got to wait and see how long it's going to take him to finish at Texas State. Mm-hmm. And they made a good run in the college playoffs. And so he didn't get home until just maybe a week and a half before our season ended. And so immediately, Mark and I had been back and forth talking about maybe getting him getting him back on the team. He said, well, he can only do home games because he's coaching post-8. He had already made that commitment. I said, well, we'd be happy to happen. I'd talk to Jamie about it. Um, we were all and on we board were ready with that. to have him join the team. But then the mm-hmm. season got cut short. Yep. Which is out of our control. Mm-hmm. There were situations where I know Michael Kieran was adding players all the way until he claims he didn't after game or before game one. He, he claims he didn't add any players up until game one. Mm-hmm. But we had been asking about adding Peyton Zabel all the way up to that point, which would have been a great draw for the local fans. It would have given us an arm. I mean, we have some great arms on this team. Yep. Um, but it would have given us, you know, a six foot six, two hundred fifty pound beast to put on the mound that, that throws, we didn't have. That throws mid to upper nineties. Well, I yeah. don't know that his levels are that high now. I, I think it's mid nineties. I think, I he, I think the, he's sitting mid. Okay, I think he's uh, mid. Well, I think he's okay. like ninety four, ninety five. That's great yep. if that's where his levels were. But even if it wasn't, it gave us an inning eater that we didn't have. And with the innings rules in this league, 
Plus, he wanted to pitch for his hometown, Pierre Trappers. He mm-hmm. was going All to, of those things. Yeah. And we wanted to pitch him in game one. He was going to pitch game four. Like, we were ready for it. We were yep. ready for him to pitch game four. I talked with Coach Damian about it, all yes. the players. Carson Trumpel, one of our catchers, caught a bullpen from Peyton the day, the, the day before. And he was like, dude, Peyton was throwing like 70%. And it was insane. His stuff was electric. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And we were, he was, Peyton Zabel was going to start game four. 100%. Well, and there was even a conversation after game three where Coach Kieran talked with Coach Jamie. And he was like, so who are you guys going to pitch tomorrow? And Jamie was like, you know, we might bring Zabel in to pitch. And then Kieran um, immediately called. Kieran got mad. Kieran got mad crying. at Jamie. Kieran got mad at Jamie. And he was like, that's, that's not cool. And Jamie basically just responded by saying, hey, look, I've got to do what I've got to do to win this series. Peyton's a local kid. He's wanted to pitch with us all season. So, like, if we can pitch Peyton, we're going to pitch Peyton because, right. like, that's how it should be. And then that goes back to the whole conversation of, you know, Dogs were adding dudes that had already had some pro ball experience. That mm-hmm. shouldn't be allowed. They had some dudes who were graduate kids already who aren't even – after this summer is over – they don't have a college to go back to because they're already done with college. That or, shouldn't be allowed. Or their either. visas up. That's not know? what this. That's so, not what this league is about. At least from my understanding, this is about taking kids and developing them, not about forming a super team and beating up on underclassmen players with dudes that are three, four, sometimes even five years older. When when your summer ball coach talks about how many rings he's won in summer ball in his Twitter bio. It's just weird. It's, it's not very, about it's that. It's very strange. It's not about that. It, no, I, it's I about developing these guys, getting them their reps. You do want to win a championship. Of course. There's no doubt about of that. Course. But don't be touting your six pioneer collegiate summer league rings to anyone because nobody cares. I just think it's it's weird. You know, like I honestly, I'm way more proud of what the Trappers did in the sense of, you know, a lot of these guys, 18, 19, 20 years old, Mm-hmm. And they developed so, so, so much throughout the course of this season. They were a completely different team, both when it comes to skill level, when it comes to maturity, mentality. They were completely different. And they they showed, you know, like our team showed what it means to develop in the summer league. And so I think our guys got it and did exactly what we needed to do. And I would have loved to see another three weeks of the season to see them develop more. I would but, have loved to have seen game five. I would have loved to have just had a game five. I'm still seething about the way the season ended. And not because of our guys, yeah, but because of the way it was called. Mm-hmm. Bases loaded, two outs. We're down two to one in game four. We just beat those guys in game three. We had the momentum. We were coming back. Yep. And a pitch that's a ball is called strike three. Very called much a ball. strike three. Very much a ball. And that's not how you... Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, you call it ball two. No yeah. runs have still scored. You give him right. a chance to swing the bat. Again, this is summer league ball. Mm. And again, I don't want to blame the Sabredogs stacking their team is why we lost. I don't want to blame mm-hmm. the umpires for why we lost. We had opportunities yep. to beat these guys numerous times in the series. 100%. But to end a series with a called strike three on a one and two count. Leaves a bad just, taste. It leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. I would have just loved my guy to have the opportunity to swing at a, at a strike. And even the pitcher for the other team walked up to my guy who was called looking and said, that was a ball, man. I am sorry. 
He said that to him, and I heard mm-hmm. it happen. That's not the you, way you end a season. As an umpire, you do not take the bat out of someone's yeah, hands in that situation. Can't, can't, can't change a game. It just goes I mean, back. You know, umpires yeah. are to be seen and not heard, if you will. Right, yeah. when, when you hear the umpire too much, you know something's wrong. And again, mm-hmm. not blaming the umpires. Those guys work hard. It was hot and nasty outside, and there was a lot of chirping going back and forth. Pretty much all season long, the umpires had to take a lot of crap. You know it. You were you were an umpire yeah, for, I was an for umpire a couple for a games. Game. So, but I made you good know calls. what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I genuinely have no like disdain whatsoever towards any of that umpire crew we had near the end of the season because they did the best that they could. You yep. know, there was some. What was his name? Tyler. Tyler. Tyler Nally. Shout Tyler, out Tyler. Shout She's out Tyler. Worked. Tyler is a fantastic dude. Super super cool dude. Works at Subway. Not anymore. Okay, worked, He's at McDonald's now. Worked at Subway. Oh. Worked at Subway. He, had he ever umpired before Before this? Like, yeah, I, obviously he was certified. Yeah, yeah. He'd umpired like 14 years. Okay, um, so, here's, so here's the thing. And like kind of like fall ball for high school. So here's the thing. Listen, so in that game, the first game when Matty Holm got ejected, I was, it was the second one. He was yeah. Tyler was behind the plate. Tyler's the one who ejected and him. And right? I, made, I made a remark on the air saying, you know, Tyler, fresh off his shifted subway. That uh, wasn't even you. That was a player. Well, no. So I made that. I made the okay. remark during the ejection. Because I don't Noah, want you. You were was, already blamed for that, man. I don't want Noah, you to catch well, the heat no, anymore so for that. It was, it was Noah McCreary I had on my broadcast, and he was. Um, I was like, so hey, I heard this is a new umpire, and he was like, yeah. So actually, um, a lot of the team goes to Subway before the games, and uh, I'm pretty sure that pretty sure that Tyler made made my sandwich about 40 minutes ago before the game, just like mm. it's a funny, you know, whatever. Yeah. So from there. I like would throw in little like subway remarks. Like I'm not mm-hmm. saying anything right. about yeah. how he's doing, Mm-mm. any sort of opinion based whatsoever. I'm mm-hmm. just simply throwing out there, yeah, Tyler fresh off his shifted subway, uh, getting berated, funny. getting berated by Maddie Holum, and then I got in a little bit of trouble for that. But you know, my you my, my my response to that is like, you know, if you don't want for it to look bad. Hire better umpires. Bad. Don't make it right. bad. I That's agree really with all you. there is to it. Hire better umpires, and that will make your league look better. And you should never take PR from that from that man. But that's another story. The Tholes thing with the subway thing, was it, it was funny. That was your best line probably of the whole season. <laughs> and it was memorable. It was funny. And, and it was one of the best like video clips that we've had all season. Um, and so I think you nailed it there. Um, if you don't want people talking about that, then don't have don't to, do it that they, way don't do it that way uh this league used to have academy umpires there's a reason why they're not there anymore that's again <laughs> it's like the replacement refs from the nfl right. people are going to make memes about the replacement refs because they uh-huh. literally are replacement refs so and, like that's also, on you and also you want you want the race to riches story you got tyler from subway and he's 100%. now and, and he's now there dude kurt warner was begging groceries at high v and then he became a quarterback you don't see the st louis rams or now the los angeles rams not talking about that we we need to hear more of those stories 100 good agree. job on getting the word out and tyler thought it was great he didn't i know care. I, I talked to him after the game and i told him what i said and he started laughing he was like mm-hmm. that's amazing that's perfect like yeah. i said i never anywhere ever talked about the quality of an umpire whether or not they were good or bad or anything like that i just said things the way that i saw them mm-hmm. and informed the audience that was my number one thing throughout the entire season and that's my number one thing after this season and going forward you know I just want to inform people on what's going on. I'm not going to try and spin it one way or another. I'm going to say it the way that it happened and mm. where the facts are at. And this is one of those instances. All right. Now I've got a few other questions. 
we've we've done a good job of talking about the season. You guys have, by the way, been fantastic talking about the, the different things. I want to dive into the North Iowa situation and then a couple other things that I have questions on, if it was ever noticed. Um, first, sure. first one, uh, the North Iowa situation. From what I understand, they weren't too happy. And you don't have to answer this question. You can say no comment if you want to. But I had heard a rumor about the fans chanting things in North Iowa. Were they upset with the, the way things were happening in the league? Or uh, did you not hear it? Um, but but was it just frustration with uh, how things were going with the league so, or anything okay. like that? So I didn't hear any chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a bunch of rumors too. Oh, yes. North Iowa, they're they're gonna buy shirts and they're gonna wear these shirts that mm-hmm. have a certain message on them after mm-hmm. their last game. They didn't do that. They just went and took pictures, you know. Yeah. But I did talk to some of those guys before every game of that final four game series. We all knew. That it was done. Mm-hmm. They had said before game one, some of their guys were like, Hey, are you ready for the final um, regular season series? They were saying, No, they said, Are you ready for the final series in Expedition League history? That's oh, what yeah. they said. Okay. And they all were talking about, Yeah, we have a flight scheduled for this day. I'm leaving this day. Um, this guy's leaving here with this guy. By 4th of July, there will be like six people left here. Mm-hmm. And it all just ultimately boils over to. I guess the the quality of play where mm-hmm. you know they they don't have a lot of pitchers yep. so they're having to pitch position players the quality of the competition having to play against the Saber Dogs a team that's not helping them in any way what are you going to learn mm-hmm. pitching a position player against a stacked lineup nothing right. you know and yeah. so they were already frustrated and then when the pilots dropped out too and they were like you know what this is a three team league now that makes it even less competitive, and that means even more inconveniences along the way and even more games against the Saber Dogs. We don't want any part of that, mm-hmm. and they truly didn't. And so, like, we knew that it was done. Yeah. And so I even got a text before, I think, game two, either game two or game three, from Mitch Messer from with the league. Yeah. Mitch, yep. fantastic dude. Love hey, Mitch a lot. Mitch is my he texts me and he goes, hey, I've been hearing rumors that the – Roosters after this series are going to be done. Like, can you confirm any of that? And I was just like, yeah. I, I was honest with him. I was like, yeah. Uh, I've been yeah. I've been hearing that they're going to be done after this series. Uh, and he said, you know, honestly, with the way that the insanity unfolded with Red River, I can't blame the Roosters for feeling the way they do. Yeah. And you can't blame the Roosters for feeling the way they do. You know, mm-hmm. they they did the best they could. They stuck it out for as long as they could. And then once one of the dominoes fell, that's when they were like, you know what? This is our cue that we need to go as well. That's just typically the way that it goes, you know, especially if something is on thin ice, if everyone's on eggshells. One misstep or one cataclysmic event, everything goes with it. And this was one of those situations. Mm-hmm. Nope. That's, uh, you know, you hear a lot of rumors around and a lot uh, of them are wrong too. A lot right, of the rumors yeah. are wrong. Yeah. Um, a lot I, of them are made to be way worse than they actually are. Mm-hmm. And then some of them aren't talking about things that should be talked about. Mm, yes, agreed, agreed. Um, and then uh, this is probably something I don't know if you guys can comment on, but what was your reaction to the fan reaction when Steve Wagner came out and congratulated the Saber Dogs on winning the championship? Well, I can I can say I was on the field with Steve, mm-hmm. and so I only heard about this after I came off the field. Okay. I heard booing. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear I, because of how far I was right. away from the fan, and I had yes. fans, and I had the microphone, and I was talking trying to tell the fans thank you for coming out 
Love you guys. Great season. I appreciate your support all year. Mm -hmm. I couldn't hear specifically what the fans were saying. Yeah. But I did. I heard some boos. Mm -hmm. I did. Um, But I don't know. I was told later what they were saying. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, more of a let's go Brandon kind of thing. It was very much a let's go Brandon type thing. And I didn't didn't hear any of them because I was doing my post-game stuff. So I had a headset on. I had music playing. So I I didn't hear any of that. So I'll stay out of this one because I I don't know. I just thought I'd ask, you know, because I was there. Right. And I I, I heard a lot of stuff. You heard it. Yeah, I did hear it. Yeah, you know, you know what was I, said. I, 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 yeah, that's why I know what was said. Just wanted to see if you guys had a reaction to that, you know. And that's just the way it goes. And I, again, when you're on the field, or mm-hmm. you're in, you know, you're doing that. You got the microphone. You can hear what you're saying. You can, right. you, you know. I couldn't hear anything specific. I was too mm-hmm. far away from nope, the fans. That totally makes sense. Because yeah, I mean, when I was on the field as an umpire, I didn't really hear much from right. from the fans. And I, I was expecting to. But my dad also wasn't in the stands, so I didn't get to hear him like, try, <laughs> try to tell me I was a terrible umpire, you know. So, uh, but no, it's, you know, unfortunately. Sp- how, but speaking of your dad, shout yeah. out to your mom and dad. I'm looking forward to some fried chicken tonight. Some fried chicken fried tonight. Chicken. And I tell I've been you what, invited over. Last night I got invited over for dinner. Um, and I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Jackson Day. Today I, has been Jackson Day all day. Everyone's been talking about my mom's <laughs> cooking, too. It's kind of funny because Eric was on the last one. And Eric lived with my parents, and, oh, he, yeah, and right. he was talking about how good my mom's breakfast pizza was. And so now, you know, we're talking about having fried chicken at my mom's and my mom and dad's house. And the fried chicken, I tell you what, that's like her best dish. Okay. If you like fried chicken, it's phenomenal. And that's what your dad said. Yeah. So, and I know you said your dad doesn't listen to the podcast, but now maybe this gives him a reason to listen to the podcast. He, he sometimes does, but like once we get to this far into it, he's like, he told me it's too long. <laughs> it's too long. Yeah. But I'm, I'm like, then start, you need to see other podcasts. This one's short compared to a yeah, bunch of other ones. Exactly. But yeah. So, um, and you know, when it comes to what we got going on this off season, John, right. Um, lots of stuff up in the air. Mm-hmm. But uh, tell tell the people kind of what your mindset is, and um, just going forward, uh, you know, just for the people up here, what they, I, you, you can't really talk about what to expect because there's some unexpected, right. but you can kind of tell them like how excited you are. Or well, first like off, that. I'll say to the people up here, this is when I was offered the job, I was offered a choice of jobs, either Sioux Falls or Pier. And I did my homework about both towns and the competition in those areas, and I chose Pier. And so when I got the call back from Steve and Mitch, it was like, okay, which job do you want to take? And I said, I want to take the Pier job. And they were like, good, because that's where we wanted to send you. So it worked out in that respect. And from the moment I got here, from the first people I met when I got off the plane, everybody was welcoming. And I think even throughout – even. To this point, I maybe heard three or four negative comments directed at me for something I had done. And that's going to happen. No matter what you do in life, you're never going to please everybody. However, creative people always hear the one or two people that are complaining rather than the 98 people that are saying good job and patting you on the back. So you you always hear those people, but... The, the town up here has been awesome, and my goal was to leave this team better than it was when I got here. Yeah. And there had been nobody running the show from last August until six weeks before the season started. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got the job, got here, and just hit the ground running. And so the people up here, 
And the fans of the Peer Trappers have been amazing. The sponsors of the Peer Trappers have been amazing. I've talked about our inside team. Amazing. So all of those things have been great. My goal is that the league is fully functioning Mm -hmm. and that I am back as the general manager next year so that we can pick up where we left off and take this to an even higher level. Whether that's going to happen or not, it will depend on a lot of things that are out of my control. And we've talked about this on the broadcast before, Ryan. Jamie always talked about control the controllable. Mm -hmm. I can't control certain things. But if given the opportunity, I would love to be back to general manage this team next year. Mm -hmm. I like it. If it makes sense, too. Yeah. Well, it has to make sense. I mean... You know, if the Washington Nationals call and say, hey, we really need to take Mike Rizzo's place, then, you know, I might have to rethink that. Bounce, or the Orioles call and say, well, we just fired Mike Elias. You want the job? <laughs> I would take that stacked farm system all day long, man. Mm-hmm. I would love to, to be with that team. But honestly, I think I'd rather be at the minor league level than at the major league. There's just too much. Minor league level is way better. To, too much way that better. goes on. Sure, the money's great at the major league level, yep. but... Um. Uh, no, I would. I would love to be back here to GM this team. You know, I, I kind of want to say something as the old general manager. Okay. Um, and I've I've praised you on the podcast. I've talked about how great you've done, and I stick by that every day. You did what a lot. What I would say most people in sports couldn't do, and make this team the most functional team with a with pretty much a skeleton staff, and uh, what two three months of run up to make the season happen. We had six seven weeks. Pre, yeah. when I got here till the game one, and you have you have teams that in this league who had more run up who didn't have the have that, and so that's awesome um, for the people up here. This is the Peer Trappers have the best fan base in the Expedition League uh, ever, ever. No, there's no question. Numbers um, bad, no bad people up. talk yeah. about like the Western Nebraska Pioneers and their they used to get a thousand fans a game, but the thing is, like they they weren't passionate about it. And those those were sold tickets. We would get people in the seats no matter what. And just like you got people in the seats this year, to the people up here who have been frustrated with how things have gone before, just like with uh, with with ownership, you know, hold tight. Things things are going. Things were positive this year mm-hmm. as a peer, as the peer trappers, uh, and things in peer collegiate summer ball are on on the uprise i Mm -hmm. would say okay um and uh because of the hard work that you've done uh this year that really made it possible you showed that this this organization can be fun and that we we can put butts in seats we definitely did those two things i mean if you compare just pure numbers across Mm -hmm. the league we had the most sales there's no question we had the most ticket sales most butts in seats and we had the best fan experience. Yes, uh, in this league, By far. hands down. And when it comes to butts and seats, three to one over any other team. And mm-hmm. I'll, I, you can back those numbers up any way you want. But the reality is, we at, on any given game had three times more fans than any stadium's best day. Yes, this year. Mm-hmm. So again, thanks to the peer fans for coming out. Best fans in the Expedition League by far. No matter when it was before the teams left for the ILB or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to say that the people here in Pier deserve the best, and I believe they got the best in any situation that was possible this year because of John, because of Aubrey, Jordan, Ryan, Jen, 
and all of the staff. You guys should be, uh, you guys should be real proud of yourselves because you guys did an awesome job. And I, and for me, being uh, done the general manager thing for three years, mm-hmm. bringing things in, uh, helping bring things in. The fans deserve the best, and uh, I mean, no offense to you guys, they deserve a heck of a lot better too. So but that's not now? your guys's. Are we are we kiss at the beginning of a kiss concert? You wanted the best. You got the best. You're the going, greatest band in the world. You're kiss. going to. You're going to get the best. <laughs> and having the proper run up will definitely help that. And we don't know the situation here in Pierre. We don't know how it's all going to go. But I will say that the job you guys did this year was more than what a lot of people expected. And it's uh, and the fans still deserve more. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. But that's not on you. There was a right. lot more that I wanted to provide, a lot more things that I wanted to do that I simply could not do because of either lack of resources, lack of people, or lack of time. Mm-hmm. Well, and so if just... I would have had any more of one of or multiple of those three things, I had so many other ideas too that I wanted to incorporate, but I just wasn't able to, yep. which is fine. You know, is what it is. We, it goes, we yeah. make the best with what we're given. Right, and and promotions-wise, we did a lot of cool promotions this year, thanks to the sponsors, uh, thanks to the team, thanks to the fans accepting those. Um, one of the biggest ones was DRG night. That mm-hmm. was a great night, giving away tickets to you know concerts and yeah. things like that. And the night we had for Donate Life, mm-hmm. you know, they came from Minnesota to come here because they cover three states, and they loved it. And again, the Chamber of Commerce, we had to change their night around at the last minute. It turned into a great night. And our friends at Affleck, I mean, there were so many groups that came out and enjoyed what they got when the game was over. And they were surprised. They came up to me afterwards and say, this is so much more than we expected Mm -hmm. to get out of our night. And Big Daddy working up in the booth, we haven't mentioned him you know, he kept it fun, dropping songs in and having hitters have their walk-up songs that you normally have and just kind of helping to pump up the crowd. He did a tremendous job. Uh, the various scorekeepers, whether it be you or Scotty or uh, Jordan's sister. Never have um, me do score again, you know, by the way. Up there, I, Jessica, <laughs> I just brain-locked on her name. But um, they, those were all things that mattered, having Maddie help out yeah. um, up in the press box as well. I mean, there were a lot of people that were involved in making it a great fan experience. Yep, I agree. Also, good thing my scoreboard blunder did not cost us a playoff game. <laughs> oh my I gosh, like wait, can I, can I actually can yeah, I talk, talk about, about that, that? That's a good okay. little topic. So this is first series of the season, that, yeah. that four-game series at home against the Raging Roosters. Game two. I think game it was two. the second yep. game of the year. Game yeah. two. Yep. The final score was what, nine to eight? Nine to eight. And the Trappers had what I thought was a seven run inning in I believe it was the third, third inning. Third inning. It was the third. And so on my broadcast I had said, All right, the Trappers score seven in the third. We go to the break. And then I see the scoreboard says six. I see that everyone is saying, Oh, they scored six. So I just kinda ran with it. I was like, All right, I guess I must have counted wrong in my head. And so I went along with it. Lo and behold, the Trappers lose by one. Uh, have some late inning, bottom of the ninth drama where one of our guys trips, rounding third. Two gets of our guys trips, they rounding third. Back that was back. quite the play. One of them was safe. <laughs> the other one was tagged out. That would have been a tying run. So then I'm going over my stats, 
and going over the scorebook and everything like that. The scorebook that the next I, day. And then I also took scorebook. Yes, you. So this Jackson, <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. And... I need you to explain how this is possible to me. This, I was laughing yeah. so hard. I'm looking at Game Changer. Mm-hmm. I'm look. Actually, no, we didn't have Game Changer yet. That's why this whole blunder was a thing because right. we didn't we, have an electronic scoreboard. Right. Yeah, for, so, for reasons so beyond was, your control. Yes. So yes. I was looking at. Exactly. So I was looking at the scorebook. I was looking at the live stream, and I remember counting when in, in the scorebook. You know, you shade in the diamonds for every run that scores. Yep. Right. I'm going through the third inning, and I'm like, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And I was like, uh oh. This might be a problem. So I went back and watched the live stream. Then I went back and watched it again and watched it again and watched it again for that bottom of the third inning. Double check, triple check, quadruple check. And I tally. I go batter by batter. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Everybody messed this up. Everyone. I was so they, they messed up the score. It should have been tied nine to nine. Right. With, after we after we double checked it, we would have had a home run derby swing off the second day of the season. Mm. And who knows what could have happened then? Yeah. But so I immediately I called John. I'm like, John, you're not going to believe this. Like, what if I told you that we didn't lose yesterday, that we tied instead, and we had a, everybody in the stadium mess up until I went back and double checked? And John was like, Are you sure? Are you certain? He's like, I trust you, but I want you to make sure that you're sure before I go try and do what I can about this. And I was like, Yeah, I'm sure. I'll send you the half inning clip. And he sent it off to higher powers to try and do their thing. Ultimately, yeah, our, protest. our protest was never realized. Second game as a general manager, I'm filing a protest against the league that I ultimately lose. I didn't win a protest, by the way, all year. Anything game-related. Anything related. that was game-related. I, I protested once, and Steve laughed at me. I was uh. like, this isn't funny. I'm not I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm protesting for a reason. He does he doesn't got the spine to overturn it. But so, yeah, so that was, that was second game of the year. Immediately, I'm like, oh, Holy crap, our scorekeeper messed up, which was the person who was running the scoreboard. So how did you get your scorebook right, but the scoreboard wrong is my question. Easy. Um, I filled in the scorebook correctly because that's that's number one. Yeah. Right. You know, you look back to that and something's wrong, you look at it, but what am I going to do? I'm not going to look. I, I'm doing this job already, <laughs> which by the way, I was not exactly. expecting to do, yes. and I'm doing double yes. duty yes. on it. So yes. I'm just trying to keep up. I'd never used the scoreboard before. Yeah. So I was kind of getting used to that. The thing that was more surprising to me, too, wasn't with your situation. It was with the fact that the umpires Mm -hmm. and the trappers did not catch it on the field. Well, Well, I asked the umpires, by the way. I I asked them. I'm like, don't you keep a tally? Because if you watch a major league game or you watch college games or you even watch double-A or triple-A ball, they have a little piece of paper, and they keep a tally on that little piece you of paper. You can't rely even, on the scoreboard. Even, you can't. Even my slow-pitch softball umpires mm-hmm. have a tally. Yeah. The scoreboard's for the fans, not for official scorekeeping. So right. if somebody Correct. messes up, it doesn't throw off and the actual game. And if you watch game. any other sport and the scoreboard is wrong, the umpire or the referee They'll or whatever it. will turn around yes. and look up to the press box and say, the time change is 52 seconds. Or mm-hmm. they'll say, um, there are... You know, the, the count is three and two. Or yeah. you'll see the umpire put the yep. count up, you know, and like point at the but scoreboard. They, but they didn't do that. And but also, none of that happened. If you want to know how, I don't know exactly how it happened, but my guess is just simply um, overwork. There, I, I, I filled it in correctly. Yeah. And maybe I, and I don't remember exactly how the runs were scored in that game. 
But um, I may have clicked it twice, maybe felt like I clicked it twice, maybe two runs had scored, you know, and I went boot, boot for the um, for the score, and yeah. only one of them may have registered, and I didn't even look up after that. But my book was almost impeccable on that. It one. was. It was your, right book, on the your book was the reason why I even realized something was up, because I was mm-hmm. able to count it and say, wait a minute, this isn't uh, consistent with what happened in the game. I need to go check, and then the game film told me what I needed to know. Lost. My audio was out for over half of that game, by the way, too. I had so many technical difficulties at the beginning of the season oh, with yeah. like my first my first like three games, because it was all kind of like hodgepodge equipment that mm-hmm. I had to figure out how to put together. I kind of had, I had to jerry-rig a setup where I had two mixers in front of me, I had two computers, I had all the headsets. It was insane. And so my audio was out for like half of that game. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like off too. I wasn't paying as much attention because yeah. I was sidetracked on my mm-hmm. audio not working. So it was just all of the stars aligned. It was the perfect aligned, storm. All the exactly. stars aligned for us to mess up that game with the final score. Everybody in the stadium. And that's what shocks me. But so, it's so funny. So like long story short. Like, so the people know, like, you get the first... I don't think you guys have ever made this public, right? This no. is the first time people are hearing about this. I did it because I didn't want John to ever break my single season wins record as a <laughs> oh, yes. I was like, I'll, well, I'll take this one full, from him. <laughs> even, even if we would have had a like full the season, um, it would have been tough to do because we had so many games against the Sabredogs, and yeah. the Sabredogs were stacked. And we despite the know. fact that we were coming back at the end of the year, and so when I said the goal was 33 wins i we didn't no, know how no good one, the Sabredogs no were. one knew how good that team was because uh. against everybody else we were above 500 you know but against the saber dogs we were oh and whatever until we finally got yeah. a win against one them. in 13 I, was our final record against before the season i said the saber dogs are going to win the championship well, well yeah how could you not yeah i mean our goal was to finish i mean it's sad to say it out loud but our goal was to finish second and not have to face them in the first round of the playoffs and then anything can happen in a short series. Hundred percent, right. and that was the goal, and it almost did. Yeah, I. Again, you guys put on a great season. It was fantastic. So much crazy stuff happened. So it's much insane. crazy yeah, stuff. Are you writing the book or am I writing the book? <laughs> I'll write the book. Or maybe I we already, co-write this book. I, had, I don't yeah, know. Exactly. I know. We both have journals. I already had to. Of the season. Um, so for my internship, I had to write like a five to eight page paper about my experiences this summer. I sat down yesterday. For three hours and I cranked out five pages and I was actually having fun doing it I was like someone commented someone was like who saw me writing it they're like why are you smiling while you're writing a paper because it's not really a true paper it's me reliving and jotting down all of the insane things that happened this summer oh, so yeah. it's fun and I you guys writing books I, I I have taken my journal from my time with the trappers and I want to kind of do a whole history thing uh it's very interesting how things have gone in the expedition league and uh i look forward to seeing your guys's work if you need somebody to interview for it i'm full oh, of, of course i'm full yes. of quotes full of knowledge you're full of something i am full of crap <laughs> is what i am but you know i'm just thankful that i got my first real job with the peer trappers oh yeah it, the first ever time i had a real job it was great um, truly just was an incredible experience. I'm glad you guys had a great experience. I we- did. As, as, as crazy as it was, I remember the final conversation I had with Steve Wagner. He was just like, so like, did you enjoy your summer? And I said, you know what? Yeah, I really did. And mm-hmm. it was kind of that same spiel I gave near the beginning where I was like, you know, this is where I was supposed to be. Met the people I needed to, got the experience, the confidence, the style, everything that I needed. 
this was exactly what it was. And so I'm super grateful for it. hundred percent. Did you ask him if he enjoyed his summer? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I will say this though. He spent most of his summer in Bancroft, Iowa. So I feel like it's probably hard to answer yes to that question. I, I'd have to agree. Was he, was he staying at the bed and breakfast or wherever? I have no idea where he was at. The sister's in. Oh, you might, I think he, I, I, I think he may have had a camper, which probably was better than the sister's Really? In. The sisters wasn't terrible, actually. Yeah, but I, 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 you know what? I did dorm style living, and I ain't about it. So mine wasn't. I guess I'm a little bit privileged as a broadcaster. A lot of the time, I had my own room. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the players, you know, they were having four to a room or whatever else. I had my own room pretty much every time. Nice. So it's probably not fair for so, me to say my. So experience. you, so you'd go on, and you knew the company card was renting this room, and you're like, you know what? Maybe I will download the dirty film. This oh time. God, no! A lot of the, a lot of the rooms were already that 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 Yeah, know, I man. don't think so. No, I'm, I'm just, maybe you was in Grand Forks. Minot. You go to the. I never even went to Grand Forks. Not once. Oh, you go. You, oh, that's true. You go to Minot. Yeah, you never got to go and sit in that strange field level never. press box. Never. You didn't. You didn't go to Minot and you go to the pay per view and it's like Spicy Housewives and you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, why not? You know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, well, I, I'm glad you guys came on today. Uh, probably got to cut this a little bit. So, uh, no, what would but, you do today for, for Ryan? Well, what would I do? What would Ryan do? Like the. None like, of that, we're not going to do that today because it has been a long broadcast. We'll have to save that for the next oh, one. Oh, what? WWYD? Yeah. Oh, okay. You always do that. I, I didn't do, know. I didn't this know is, you were this still has doing been, that today. This has been a the 60 extended. minutes exclusive. You know what? All right, let's do this. Okay. We'll do a nice quick WWYD with my guy Ryan here. Okay. So Ryan, do you know what WWYD is? Yeah. So you what do? would you do? What yeah, would you do? Just you, you say a situation and I talk about how I would. Yeah. So yeah. the way we do While it. While you're looking one up, I'll give him one that you used on me when I first came here. Yeah. All right. Who would you not marry? Name a person in a profession that you would not marry. And... I first, that's when I learned that we were allowed to be PG 13 in this broadcast. Just like in general, like just in any, general, what kind, of, what kind of woman would you not marry? Yeah. Mm. What, what profession? What profession? Probably, that's tough. Pro- probably like a, probably a lawyer. Oh, you wouldn't a marry lawyer? a lawyer? Yeah. That's actually one of the top ones don't from tell, that don't story. Don't tell my daughter. Because uh, they they have a, some sort of a guy complex. Mine was an OnlyFans girl, but that's just because. You know. And mine mine was at the time I said Lady of the Night, and Jordan goes or Jackson goes, you can say stripper. So I'm like, okay, I wouldn't marry a stripper. Yeah, okay. so that would Fair. be that. But yeah, OnlyFans girl would probably be somebody you wouldn't want to marry as well, for kind of the same reasons. Yeah. Okay. So, Are right. you caught up? So. I'll give you a couple. So an Idaho man just recaptured the hot dog throwing world record. Um, and so um, this man enlisted the help of colleagues at a work conference to recapture his world record for the longest throw and catch of a hot dog into a bun. David Rush has spoken, has broken nearly 250 Guinness Book of World Records records to promote STEM education. Oh, this guy's been on here before. This oh. guy's great. Okay. Is he from uh, Florida? No, he's from no, Idaho. No, he's from Idaho. Okay. They don't so got anything else to do. <laughs> they don't got anything else to do in Idaho. And he originally held the record in 2019 when Jake Smith threw a hot dog 105 feet to where Rush caught it in a bun. Um, the record is broken twice in the I'm confused in the where this is going. So this guy breaks records. Yeah. 
What world record are you setting? Ooh. Well, you think on that. Yeah, you here. think on that for a second. Yeah, I actually tried to break the longest amount of time on the air. I, I had opened my station in Southern Oregon, and the record is uh, nine days by being on the air straight. Now, they give you five minutes an hour where you can leave the studio or whatever. I would bank my hours, and I would sleep for like an hour and 45 minutes, and I'd take a shower, and my my house was only not even a half a mile from the studio. So I'd run home, get a quick nap, take a shower, come back and do it again. And I lasted seven and a half days, seven and a half days. And I just couldn't, I was to the point where I was punchy. I couldn't do anything. People were bringing me food in this little town in Southern Oregon, you know, feeding me constantly. So I wouldn't have to leave the studio. There were TV crews coming around, you know, in front of the studio. We were right in a window of a little uh, shopping center. Mm -hmm. And, that was the one I tried. I thought maybe I was going to make it. But I just couldn't make it that last day and a half. So that's the one I took my shot at. You that's got awesome. It? Uh, okay. So I feel like I have pretty good hand-eye coordination. Mm-hmm. So I probably, you know, like where you have like a ping pong ball and a paddle and you try to just like hit it up to yourself with like the most bounces. Yeah. I feel like I could do that one. Do you want me to look and see how many it would take? Yeah. So that way I am shot down immediately to realize how long I'm it gonna, would be. I'm going to ruin your dreams. My next one though. We talked about this one uh, last week. Me and Big Daddy Dave did. Okay. Um, iguana was found in a Florida man's toilet. Uh, this this guy went into his bathroom middle of the night. At, he's, he was popping some popcorn for a midnight snack. Goes in, flicks on the light, and there's a big old iguana in his toilet. What are you doing with this iguana? Hmm. I'm probably probably trying to get like a. No, honestly, okay, I'll give two answers. One of them is like a, a nice answer. The other one's like a menace to society answer. So my nice answer would be I'm trying to go find like a net. and Like I'm putting it over the top and like trying to scoop it in and throw it out my door. The menace to society one, I'll go get like a, a firecracker, put it in the toilet and close the lid and walk out. Okay. I said I'm keeping it. And I'm, boom. I'm keeping it. I said I'd keep the iguana and I'd name it Deuce. That'd be a good that's one. A, that's a good one. But okay, so like. <laughs> It's a big iguana, though, so where are you putting it? Like, where am I putting it? Yeah. Cage? I don't know. In a, you'll go on a cage. Yeah, you can what get, like, people you can get, like tanks, you know, put an iguana in it, name him Deuce, because I found him in a toilet. That's right. Easy. Uh, all right, so to break your heart, Pavel Durdik uh, bounced a table tennis ball 14,957 times on a paddle. What's 14, his name? 14,000. Pavel Durdik. Looks like he's Russian or something. I was going to say he must be a Russian guy. Pavel, shout out. Um, yeah, you got me on that one. I'm, I'm not going to try that. That probably took him like a week. Uh, it looks like it took him 72 hours and 15 minutes. Well, when I was Why? a little kid, I tried to do a pogo stick challenge where I was jumping on a pogo stick. I maybe lasted an hour, and then I was like, okay, I'm done. I just would get too bored. I have too, I have too bad of like ADHD for that. I get mm-hmm. distracted easily, and I'd be like... This is stupid. I'm done. All right. I just wanted him to get a taste All of right. yeah, what would you taste do. I know that. that you normally do it. Yeah. So, so Ryan didn't get a taste of the get, full we gave effect. You a, yeah. Didn't get a full t- full taste. But when do you leave, Ryan? I leave this Saturday. This Saturday? Well, if you want, you can you can guest star and actually do a show the regular way if you want to later this week. Okay. I'll be out of town going out west to see Mount Rushmore and stuff on Wednesday and Thursday. But I'll be back Friday. You know what? We might be able to do Friday, my man. Okay. Just let me know. 
that's everything we got. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking the Trapper season. It was a it was a fun, interesting season, um, and we had some great great people uh, all around the organization. Thank you, John. Thank you, Ryan. Shout out to Aubrey Jackson for a great year as an intern. Jordan Lutmer, uh, assistant general manager, former intern extraordinaire. Been Grizz before, you know, one of the one of the true trapper. Everybody greats. knows Jordan. Everybody knows Jordan. Yes. Little kids know Jordan. Mm-hmm. Can I tell can I tell the one story? All right. Well, we're telling stories. Uh eighth grade girls were coming up to him, pulling up their shirts, asking him to sign them. Ooh, that's spicy. everybody in town loves Jordan Lutmer. He he's a lovable guy. He is everybody a in guy. town loves Jordan. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it if you would have said no. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan's in the studio right now. So uh, thank you guys so much for coming. Also, shout out to our sponsor, Masterpiece One Stop Smoke Shop on Capitol Avenue and Pier. Get your Delta 9, Delta 8, Delta 10, THC products, uh, your glassware. If you want to relax, you want less pain, you want to sleep better, go check them out. My guy, if it's 420, it, man, you got to go there. If it's 420, you go to the, oh, the, the smokehouse, man. 420 is, they, they got their great deals on 420 every year. Uh, go talk to Bristol and his staff. They're fantastic people. They will help you with whatever you need. And uh, until next time, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.